We've been going through the book of First Corinthians. Uh, this is the second to last um, session, hopefully. Uh, so there's light at the end of the tunnel. But just a, a brief recap from last Sunday. We covered chapters 12 and 13. We talked about how uh, chapter 12 and 14 talk about the spiritual gifts and how they are to function in the body. And then 13 is sandwiched in between there. Um, and uh, chapter 12 talks about the variety of gifts that has been given that have been given to the body, um, but it's the same spirit that empowers them all in everyone. There's varieties of service, different kinds of service, but it's the same Lord. There's varieties of activities, so it seems like it's not just talking about obviously supernatural gifts, but it's also talking about the the. The, the intrinsic giftings and personality people that all function together, empowered by the same God in everyone to build up the body. To some, there's a word of knowledge. To others, a word of wisdom. There's faith, healings, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the same spirit who gives to each one, who apportions to each one, Individually, as he wills, because he's the one who is building the body of Christ. And then he gives an example of a physical body and how the physical body doesn't fight against itself. The, the eye doesn't say to the ear, um, you're different from me, so you don't belong in the body. The ear doesn't say you don't have the same function. Um, you don't belong. And they don't say to each other, I'm not like you, so I must not belong. They all function together, fulfilling different roles in the body. And he says, this, that's the way it is with the body of Christ. That's the way it is with Christ. The members have different functions, but they all complement each other. And then he says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. And that's a word that we're going to focus on today, the higher gifts. But I will show you a more excellent way. And he tells them how that... Tongues, profaning all mysteries and knowledge, mountain-moving faith, service, the kind of service that lays down its life for other people, even, even gives up its life, Mother Teresa kind of service, it's all worthless and nothingness if it's not accompanied by and motivated by love. Love is patient and kind it's not envious or boastful. It's not resentful or rude. It endures all things. Love never fails. Everything else, including the spiritual gifts that we've been given, are temporary. But love is what is going to endure in eternity. See, prophecies are going to fade away. They're going to give way to perfect knowledge. Once you know the future, what's the good of prophecy? Once you know everything there is to know, what's the good of prophecy? Prophecy has to cease when perfect knowledge comes. Our tiny, imperfect sampling of knowledge is going to give away to perfect understanding when we are in the presence of God. The tongues, which is really different forms of communication, they're all going to give way to perfect communication, to perfect understanding when we know as we are known because when the perfect is come, all these little samplings of the miraculous, the little bits of knowledge and wisdom that God gives different, that's all going to be consumed, give way to perfection 
when we are in the presence of God. So love is our window into eternity. It's the one thing that is going to continue into eternity. And if the gifts that God has given to the body are not being exercised in love, through love, motivated by love, they are worthless. In fact, they will turn into the opposite of what they are intended to do. Prophecy, when not motivated, motivated by love, becomes destructive. A word of knowledge, when not motivated by love, it becomes something that just puffs me up. Service, what appears to be sacrificial, laying down your life kind of service, if it's not accompanied by love, it will not endure. It will create resentment in us. So earnestly desire the higher gifts. Just make sure they are motivated by and accompanied by love. And then we go into chapter 14. And he starts out by reiterating what he said in chapter 12. Earnest spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So this seems to be a restatement of what he said in in the last verse of chapter 12. Earnestly desire the higher gifts. And this is a response to the Corinthians' abuse of gifts of the Spirit. Paul had made it clear that you guys have lots of gifts. You have all gifts that you need. You've been equipped by the Holy Spirit, but you're misusing them. They had begun to focus on the spiritual gifts that made them appear more spiritual, that lifted them up, that that edify me, rather than looking at what constructs the body. And he says the central theme of all of this, the reason that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to the body, is edify to construct the body. So he tells them, the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. So if you're speaking in a, in a heavenly language or a language that other people don't understand, your spirit might be edified, but the people around you are not being edified. And I want you, when you're together, I want you to be edifying each other, building each other up. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and consolation. So that's what prophecy is for. It's for building each other up, edification. It's for exhortation. It's for consolation. That's comfort. That means that when you're walking through a difficult time, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to someone else the things that you need here in that moment to comfort you or to exhort you or to build you up. And as we're going to see later in in chapter 14 here, it's... It's meant to be something that brings revelation about the things that are in our hearts that people would not see otherwise. Prophecy is something different from intuitive perception, human perception. It is the Holy Spirit speaking to us what can only be known through revelation of the Spirit. And we're going to see that sinners will be convicted through prophecy. Prophecy is greater than tongues. So he said, earnestly desire the higher gifts. And let's draw a distinction. He already told us in chapter 12 that one person is not above another because their gifts are distinct. So we're not comparing an eye with an ear. But he's saying there is a measure of value that's given to gifts. And that is how much do they build up? 
Are the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you building up the people around you or are, are those gifts tearing down? And it may have to do with whether you're exercising those gifts in love, resentment. So he makes a distinction between the gifts that are building up, that are the most constructive in the body, versus gifts like tongues that were edifying the person who was speaking in tongues, but not edifying the people around them. In fact, it was creating chaos instead of building up the body. And he, he does that. He contrasts um, tongues and prophecy in verse 4. He says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. And he's not, he's not down on tongues. He said, I wish you guys would all speak in tongues, but rather, even more, I would like for all of you to prophesy. And then he gives the example of uh, lifeless instruments. When the smokers were up here playing their instruments, they didn't just play just whatever you know came to their mind. They played distinct notes, distinct chords that worked together in harmony. And you know what happened as a result? That music said something. And he's like, if even lifeless instruments play distinct notes with the purpose of communicating something specific... How much more should your speech and your interaction, you guys that are being filled with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit is speaking through you, it's supposed to be saying something specific that will build people up around you. Lots of languages in the world and none is without meaning, but they're only with me. So not only do your words need to be intelligible, but the hearer should be able to get something from those words that you speak. And he says, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, because the Corinthians were, they were eager to have these supernatural demonstrations of spirituality. And he says, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building the church. Does that describe your life? A... An earnest pursuit of building up the people around you. This is not just building up yourself spiritually, but the people around you. Strive to excel in building up the church. This is the whole point of the gifts of the Spirit. It's not to make us feel good or to confirm that we're spiritual to ourselves. Sometimes that's what we take out of it. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to build up someone around you. So if there's tongues in public, there should be an interpretation accompanying it so that other people can be edified. As he says, praying in tongues is something that is occurring in your spirit, but it's not fruitful to the mind unless it's interpreted to the mind. The mind needs to be able to understand what is being said so that the mind can be edified as well. And he says that if an outsider comes in and they, they hear you speaking in tongues or hear you speak something that's unintelligible, they will not be able to, to agree to when you give thanksgiving because they're not even going to understand what's being said. Then he says tongues are a sign for unbelievers. Prophecy is a sign for believers rather than for unbelievers. And I thought at first that this meant that Tongues are to be a supernatural demonstration that God is real to those who are maybe hearing the gospel for the first time. But he says very interesting. He, he quotes the Old Testament prophecy that says, By people of strange tongue and by lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me. 
So it seems in this context he's saying, actually, tongues are going to be given as a confounding sign. And the people that hear what's happening and that see the demonstrations of the Holy Spirit through tongues, their hearts are are going to be clouded over and they're not going to understand what they're hearing. They're not going to believe and listen. But, on the other hand, prophecy is given as a sign to believers. And then he says, if an outsider comes in, inferring that there's someone... He says, outsiders or unbelievers enter into your church, and everyone is prof happen. They're going to see, they're going to have the secrets of their heart exposed. They're going to hear about the power of God in a way that they can understand, and it's going to change them. I want to make a few clarifying things about what prophecy is. And what it's not. I think one of the things that um, brings some confusion sometimes is we think immediately in terms of Old Testament prophecy. Where uh, someone would receive a very clear message from God. Verbatim. And they would stand before the people and they would say, thus says the Lord. And they would give prophetic insight into the future for the people of Israel. Maybe it was the judgment of God or, or a call to repentance or warning of things that were to come. And in the New Testament, we see prophecy used in a broader context than this. It's not always someone standing up and saying, thus says the Lord, this is what's going to happen next year. It's simply speaking things that can't be known through natural means. From the Holy Spirit, because he's empowering all of us. And he desires that all of us would seek to prophesy. So he comes and he speaks things through us. But it's often given not in a clear word-for-word way. But in a sense of... This is what needs to be spoken. And sometimes the speaker will take that word that he receives from God and and will speak it in imperfect ways. And so it needs to be tested by other people. It's not the authoritative, thus says the Lord kind of prophecy that we find in the Old Testament. Not most of the time. And it does not add to or take away from the authority of, of Scripture. And we're going to see a little more evidence of that further down in the chapter. It's supposed to be ch- tested. Like it says in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, don't quench the spirit and don't despise prophecy, but test everything and hold fast what is good. So it needs to be tested by the hearers. You don't just take it as an inspired word from the Lord like you do What's written here, but you test it and see, does that line up with what the Holy Spirit is? And the results of that word of God coming through his people is conviction, accountability, the secrets of the heart being disclosed. It's like, wow, how did you know that about me? How did you know to say that when you don't know what's going on in my life? There's numerous accounts of when Spurgeon was preaching that he would receive an inspiration 
And he didn't stand up there and say, thus says the Lord, but he would receive an inspiration as he was preaching and he would point at someone and give them a specific word. One time he pointed in, in a given direction in the crowd and he said, young man, you need to return the gloves that you stole from your employer. And I'm not sure if he even knew who he was speaking to, but after the service, a young man came to him trembling and he says, you won't expose me, will you? How did you know? This is the first time I've ever stolen something. He didn't know. He didn't know that that person was there in the crowd, but the Holy Spirit did. And he had something, he had a very specific word. Virgin could never have known on his own. And the Holy Spirit used that to disclose the secrets of that heart and to bring that young man to repentance. Now, there's some hindrances that come oftentimes when the Holy Spirit does speak to us. How many of you have had the Holy Spirit speak to you and you were pretty certain that he was saying something specific to you? But you didn't have the courage to speak it out. I don't know how many times I've had that happen where it was like, I'm pretty sure God wants me to speak something specific into this situation, but I didn't have the courage. I was like, what if I got it wrong? Or what if it's just me? I remember one time as a youth conference, there was a, there was a young man. And uh, during one of the sharing times, I just felt like God really specifically impressed on me. Um, that he was, God wanted him to not live in the shadow of his older brother anymore. He wanted him to step out from that and not live in the shadow of his older brother. And I was like, God, what if he doesn't have an older brother? So, so I went and, and verified first. And later I shared that word and he was like, that's true. I've always been inferior to my older brother who's doing all these spiritual things. And, and it was a word that God used for him but i what if i look stupid or what if i get it wrong and a lot of times that's one of the things that hinders us to speaking words of prophecy maybe not being sure that this is from god what if we were quicker to speak to say this is what is being impressed on art it doesn't have to be thus says the lord it's not always with that confidence sometimes it's just a, a small prompting from the Holy Spirit. And you might not even be clear on what you're supposed to be speaking. But you know that he wants you to speak a word. Open your mouth and he'll fill it. He'll speak through you. He'll speak through you the things that someone else needs to hear. Because we don't always know what someone else needs to hear. But he does. He knows exactly what is in every heart in this room right now. And he knows the words that would minister to each one of us. And so what if we were all prophesying? That's, what's, that's what Paul's saying. He's like, if you guys were all prophesying, someone comes in from the outside and the secrets of his heart are just among you. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He discloses the secret things of the heart. Sin also clouds prophecy. If there's sin in our life, it's going to stop the flow of the Holy Spirit. We have to have an open relationship with God. Jesus said, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. He says specifically, the Father gives me what I'm supposed to say, what I'm supposed to speak. And he says somewhere else, 
That's the only thing I say. Only say what he gives me. What if we would all live like that? What if we would all receive what to say from the Father and we would only speak those things? There's a lot of fleshly criticism and destructive words that would be stopped if we would all do that. And there's a lot of life-giving, powerful things that the Holy Spirit would begin to speak through us to each other. Another reason that we don't prophesy more than we do is because we're... And you tend to just feel more stupid when you go up to someone that you really know well and you give them a word of prophecy than you do if it's someone you don't know well. Isn't that true? I'm not sure exactly why that is, but that's something that we need to overcome. Because the Holy Spirit wants to speak specific words through us, to us, to each other. So don't let that familiarity with the people around you stop you from speaking the words of God. Earnestly desire to prophesy. It is one of the higher gifts. Because when a word comes from God, and it really is from God, and you speak it to someone in the right moment... That word has the potential to to change a life. It has the potential to keep someone from the devastating consequences of despair and depression and to turn their life around. So then he gives some specific instructions on how this happens. He says, when you come together, each one has a hymn. Or a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Whatever you're saying, whatever God gives you to say, let it be done to build others up. Then it will build up. If it's to make me look good, it's not going to build up. It's going to tear down. If it's to show someone else where they're wrong, because I'm irked at the way they're living, it's going to tear down. But if it's coming from the Holy Spirit and empower love, it has the potential to change that person's life. So if anyone is speaking in a tongue, let someone interpret. Then he says two or three prophets should speak. And the rest weigh what is said. This is a a really um, important verse because it shows that there's harmony in in the way through different people. It's not going to be one person running the show because he has a prophetic word from God, but it's going to be God speaking different things, but that agree to different people. And the rest will weigh what is said. And sometimes you have to weigh what is said and you're like, no, that doesn't line up with, with what God is saying here. And so we spit that out and we hold fast to what is good. That's what First Thessalonians is talking about. Test the prophecies and, and hold fast to what's good. And sometimes there's some that we get mixed up. Sometimes we have a genuine word from God and we speak that, but we mix it in with some other stuff that comes from me. 
And we need the maturity to be able to sort through that and say, hey, that obviously was from God. That resonates in my spirit. And it lines up with with who I know God to be. And so we hold on to that. And the rest, so we don't have to reject the person. But to, but what's coming from the person, what's maybe mixed up or what came perfectly, we can we can just sort that out and reject it. We know in part and we prophesy in part. Even in the supernatural gifts that God gives, it's still in part. It's still sometimes looking dimly through a mirror, not seeing perfectly. But when the perfect has come, then the imperfect is going to pass away. He says, if a revelation is made to another who is sitting there, let the first be silent. This shows that it's not a sermon that was prepared the day beforehand. This is a revelation in the moment. I wonder sometimes how many times God gives a revelation to someone who's sitting here. And it's never spoken. It just stays internalized. When God wanted to use that to edify the body. Maybe sometimes you just need to get up and the first person just needs to be quiet. And you need to speak the revelation that God gave to you in the moment. I'm not making this up. This is right here in 1 Corinthians 14. These are clear instructions for how the body is supposed to function when we're to God is supposed to be speaking to individuals. And those individuals are willing to get up and say, hey, I have a revelation from God. And by the way, this was this was instructions to the Corinthian church. And we already saw a whole bunch of the problems that they had. The sin that they had allowed in their midst, the arrogance, the, the abuse of the gifts, all the, the problems that already are being pointed out. And yet he's saying God is going to work through you supernaturally to build a body because that's how he builds his body. You can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. There's the purpose behind it. It's for learning, for encouragement, because sometimes God's going to speak just a, 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 just a, a sentence to someone. And that sentence is going to do more for you than, than a whole year of sermons. Because it comes from the Holy Spirit and it's the word that you need to hear in the moment. For the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. This is another verse that I love because it speaks to the fact that if God is speaking to Richard and he's speaking to me, those things are not going to be in conflict with each other. The spirit of prophets is subject to prophets. So if I'm really hearing, I'm going to subject myself to what God speaks to Richard today and vice versa. There's not a conflict and a disorder that's created by the word of God coming through different people. But there's a harmony and a subjection to each other. And sometimes I'm going to get a word from God and I see something and I'm going to feel strongly about it. And then someone else speaks something into the same situation that is a a balancing viewpoint. And if God is really speaking through me, then I'm also going to yield to that revelation that came through a different person. That's what that means. 
God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. His word brings peace. His word brings harmony. And there's a peace that comes from following his order. That's how the body is built up, is when we're all working, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And there's some of you that are sitting right here today that God wants to give you specifically the gift of prophecy so that you would hear specific words from God, things that you would not come up with on your own. Sight into someone else's life that you don't naturally possess. And you're going to be able to speak to them words that will build them up, that will transform them. It has to be done in love and it has to be done in subjection to God's order as body functions together. Then he says, as in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but to be in submission, as the law also says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. And this ties in with chapter 11. It seems like there was a misperception, a misconception of where the headship order had originated, where God's order had originated, he pointed them back to the creation and he says, this is not a result of the fall. This is something that God established before the fall, but the fall corrupted it. That's why we have tyrants who are misusing authority. And that's why we have people who are not under the authority that is of the wreck that sin made of God's established order. And he points them back to that and says, if you are under God's order, that will bring harmony and peace. I think as the law also says, might be a reference to what God told Eve in the garden right after the fall. He said, he told her, your desire will be contrary to your husband, but he will rule over you. Sin brought distortion to God's established order, but the gospel brings redemption to it. That's why we see in the New Testament, we see that a man loves his wife sacrificially as Christ loved the church. And the wife voluntarily submits to his leadership. And he ties that in with how the church, when we're come together, we function in that order that God established. Whether you have a word of prophecy or a word of knowledge or a less him, you function in that order that God established because we all work together to build each other up. Thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I'm writing to you are a commandment of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. There is a danger when the word of God is being spoken through us, when we believe that we have insight from God, that we start thinking that the word of God comes not only through us, but from us. That we are somehow the source of truth, rather than just the messengers of it, rather than just the bearers of it. He puts this in here because that is a real danger when God is speaking through us. We begin to think of ourselves as possessing authority that we don't possess. The word of God has authority. And when the word of God comes through you, it's authority. Far beyond your authority or my authority. 
But when that occurs, sometimes we start thinking of ourselves as being the ones who possess that authority. We think of our words as being authoritative instead of recognizing that it is the words that are empowered by the Holy Spirit and that come from him that have authority and power, transformative power. We're not the mother church. The word of God didn't come to us. And now we get to be bearers of it. And it comes through us to each other. So earnestly desire to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues. When is the last time that you have earnestly asked God for the gift of prophecy? He's saying this to everybody. He doesn't say there's just a handful of you that should be earnestly desiring prophecy. But all of you should. I wish that all of you would prophesy. What if God's word would start really flowing through us like that? So that what seems like mundane experiences in our life, they might even be business-related experiences, God can take those and use them Just life and encouragement to someone else. And what if the Holy Spirit would begin to speak through us in such a powerful way that we couldn't be silent anymore? And that someone gets up and has a word from the Lord for the church and someone else has a revelation as he's speaking and gets up and says, Hey, I have a revelation I want to share. And that it all works together beautifully to build up the body. It's right here in chapter 14. It's how God wants the body to function together. And I think we should be asking him, as a church, we should be asking him to speak through us. Because he wants to speak through us. And some of us are not speaking. Some of us are just being quiet. When God is wanting to gift us with words to speak to each other. Specific words that will bring life and transformation. It's how he chooses to give us his words, the authoritative words that came through the apostles and prophets. But he also gives us his word through each other, through imperfect vessels, through broken people. Like Joe said, those are the only kind of people there are. It's broken people. And he gives his word through broken, messed up people so that all of us can be edified and encouraged and built up through it.